Welcome to the WP Tonic Podcast, brought to you by WPTonic.com, a WordPress maintenance and support service for business owners. We talk to the leaders in WordPress, business, and online marketing communities, bringing you insights on how to grow your business and achieve success. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Friday WP Tonic Roundtable Discussion. We are competing with WordCamp US this morning, so we are sort of a a small group who are going to be talking a little bit about our friends who are there and what they might be experiencing and what we're missing out on. And of course, we're going to start with our news stories once we introduce the crowd. Today's show is brought to you by Intelligence WP, the plugin that actually makes sense out of your analytics. Everybody check that out at intelligencewp.com. Let's go around and introduce the roundtable. Sally, I'm going to start with you. All right. My name is Sally Getch. My business is WP Fangirl. I build WordPress websites for small businesses and nonprofits with a focus on helping you accomplish your business goal. I'm also the organizer of the East Bay WordPress Meetup in Oakland, California, and Subject to the cat of adorableness, BC. And John, how about introducing us or yourself to us? Thanks, Kim. I'm John Locke. My business is Lockdown Design. And uh, I'm also uh, doing SEO for blue-collar industries like manufacturing. Like the song says, I can take you higher. So Nice. Thank you. And I'm Kim Schivler. I am the co-host of WP Tonic, and today I'm the full host because Jonathan Denwood is actually out having some dental work done. So we will try to fill in for him as best we can. I am a communications and technology instructor. You can find me at kimshivler.com. Let's jump into our news stories. So the first one let's talk about uh, was a, a story from Yoast on those video backgrounds, as opposed to actual live video that has something to engage people, but just those moving backgrounds and how they really are not only annoying to people, but they're not good for conversion. Who wants to jump in first on this article? I'll jump in. Um, You know, there's a lot of good things that he's saying um, when it comes to this. The funny part is, is by the time 2017 is done, I'm going to have launched like four sites with video backgrounds. And it's, it's, there's a line in here where he says, uh, the, you know, the, your clients, they see video backgrounds and other sites and then they want it. And that's basically what happens. Uh, it's, it's a case of uh, website envy. And, um, you know, when it comes to embedding background videos, there are a, a lot of challenges. Uh, for example, on uh, iPhone, you're just going to get a static image instead of a, a you know, a playing video, uh, you know, a lot of the times because uh, unless you have a big play button. So it kind of renders that useless. Um, but people still, you know, ask for them. Um, but it's a very valid point that it's going to make your site load more slowly and that's something that clients do need to be aware of Um, and that's not good for conversions that is definitely 
good for usability. And in most cases, the 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 video has to be part of the story and, and that the site is telling. And a lot of the times it's just a random, like kind of tangentially related video, but it's not part of the actual story. Uh, you know, and I, in a lot of cases, just a static image. Uh, if, if you're going to have a hero background, like a full width, you know, full, just a static image will probably do the job just as well as a video. So. I thought the timing on this was perfect um, because I had just been in a discussion on, on Slack. I've, I've <clears throat> pulled it up so I could get the, the exact phrasing um, uh, last week. Anyone know how to improve the performance of a page that has a lot of content, 10 plus background videos, fallback background images, and other background images? As far as I know, the images were, videos and images were compressed prior to upload, but our client, another agency who made the design, has made a couple comments about the performance of the page. Note, SEO is incredibly important to them. And, you know, my response basically was ditch the video backgrounds. And, and then a couple of days later, that article came out. Um, and, you know, I've wrestled with this last year. I had a client that really wanted a, a big video, you know, full screen video background on the, on the homepage. And it was, you know, it was relevant, but I didn't, you know, I tried to argue against it. They insisted on it. You know, we set it up with the fallback image and then it's, you know, like, why doesn't it loop on my, on my iPad? Well, because, uh, <laughs> you know, you're, you're lucky it plays on your iPad. Uh, and, and uh, it, it's a, it's a big, uh, issue and they are a distraction. I mean, I've, I am super distracted by anything that moves. Uh, I, I, if there's a television on in the room, I cannot pay attention to anything else. It, it, it really bothers me a lot. And so if I'm on a web page and all kinds of stuff is moving, figuring out what to do uh, is much more difficult. And if you have a call to action, you know, on top of that video, it's going to be essentially invisible. Uh, so you really have to, to see is this, you know, yeah, it's trendy, you know, sliders were trendy a while ago. And, you know, if it finally came out, oh yeah, these things are terrible for your SEO and your accessibility and, and people don't actually click on them and uh, they're not useful. And I, you know, video is a, is a terrific tool for things where you need to show something in action. You need to show, you know, whether, whether you're a, keynote speaker and you want to show yourself giving a presentation or, or you're demonstrating how to build something. Uh, there are a lot of terrific uses for video, but as a background, you know, not so much. And, and I thought it was really interesting that the client who pushed me for the video background, um, you know, he was talking about how they, they had a video background on, on Squarespace at the time and he just loved it. Well, before we were finished with our project, Squarespace had taken that off. And and put a uh, put a still image in. So uh, apparently they discovered that it didn't convert very well. Uh, so yeah, use your video carefully. Absolutely, and use it as you said where it counts. That's what I came away with this from, and and um, also working on SEO and conversion. A lot of times when customers want this, they're thinking about what they want, and it's our job to push them of also push them to, but don't you really want to build what your customer wants? 
Okay. Is the website for you or is it for your customer? And if it's just a vanity site, that's one thing. But if you're really building something and you want to sell something, then you should be building it for the customer. And I love that, Sally, where you said that the calls to action just become invisible at that point when they're sitting on top like that. And we, we need to, as people with our website, so speaking with me, building my website, I need to take my customer by the hand, give them what they want, and help them get to where I want them to be in whatever that is. And usually it's not background video. Now, I am one who uses video for, I'm a speaker, so I have speaking examples out there. And I teach technology, so I have some screen flows out there showing you exactly how I would teach you how to do something. But that wouldn't be uh, appropriate for a background. It wouldn't fit at all. So I thought it was a great, uh, very timely because the same. I see people wanting a lot of video, uh, even still the sliders or a lot of animation. And it's just a spot on distracting and bad for SEO. Good points. Let's move on to WordCamp US. So a couple of things. One, we know this happening, and, and I don't know if any of you have things you're hoping to learn from it if, as we watch the streaming from wherever we are. Jeff, had, uh, Jeff Chandler had an article out there on what he would really like to see from the state of the word, because that's the big, one of the big deals that always happens now is Matt's state of the word. And I'd like to get your feedback on that article. Sally? Well, I, I think that's a, I have to say, you know, if, if I'd been making a list, Calypso probably wouldn't have, have been on it because I haven't paid much attention to it since it, uh, since it first came out. But um, I think that is an, an interesting point if, you know, we're going to be uh, encouraging people to do things like add blocks to, to Gutenberg. Well, what about the, you know, what about the, the mobile app for interacting with WordPress where how is that going to evolve um, next to uh, next to this because you know part of the reason that I, I never did much with it after I first tested it was well it's fine if you're working on pages and posts but if you need to work on anything else it actually takes you over to your website um, <clears throat> so uh, you know, it would it would be nice to hear whether there's you know whether there's any movement on that or, or whether that just is something that uh, you know they haven't had time to to focus on. Um, and the next thing is you know an update on WordPress Foundation supported uh, initiatives, um, and you know how much money has the foundation contributed to these <coughs> causes, and if any progress has been made on providing educational workshops and underdeveloped countries. That would be interesting. I hadn't been paying much attention to that. The um, WordPress um, uh, Public Benefit Corporation, uh, there's a, uh, <clears throat> also supports the meetups and I pay some attention to what's happening there. And I know many, many meetups all over the world have been launching uh, in the course of the year, but that would, that would be interesting to, uh, to hear about. And then basically the requests are sort of for follow-ups on, on last year. What's up with the, uh, you know, the modified release schedule and, you know, uh, what is, uh, <clears throat> you know, what is Gutenberg really? 
Uh, and uh, I, since Matt will be Matt will be presenting after Morton's talk about uh, Gutenberg and the future of WordPress, uh, <laughs> so I'm I'm sure he'll have uh, time to take it into account. Although, given most of his state of the word presentations with the you know statistics from the annual surveys and and that kind of thing, you know, I know a lot of it is prepared long in advance. Um, and those are all things that it would be uh, that it would be good to hear about. I was, you know, I was really pleased to see the launch of the Gutenberg Handbook, um, which I think helps to explain, you know, what it's all about, and then and to put things in in one place where people can find them. Uh, you know, there is a there is a lot going on that we need to be aware of, and and maybe we also want to see a step back to kind of look at the, 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 the bigger picture. Most of us, you know, the, the news has kind of been uh, all, all Gutenberg all the time. Um, but uh, <clears throat> we'll, uh, <clears throat> we'll find out what happens. I, 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 I'll be out this afternoon, so I won't see many of today's talks, but I will be around tomorrow for the State of the Word, and I definitely plan to watch. Excellent. How about you, John? Well, definitely, as Sally said, um, I think it's an opportunity for Matt to lay out what the development cycle is going to be and what the, you know, the end goal um, of Gutenberg is. And it, because I think there's a lot of confusion about that. It's getting a little bit more clear. And I think I'll, uh, you know, some people are getting a little bit more optimistic about it, but I think it's very important, uh, as has been stated on this show uh, dozens of times, that, you know, the developers and the, the general WordPress community, not just the core team, kind of needs to know um, what the, you know, each of the stages in the development cycle are going to be and what the finished product is going to look like. Um, and if we remember like the, the REST API, you know, how long that took to actually get into core, um, I think it's going to be the same situation. I don't think it's going to be a couple of months. But I think people need to have a vision of, of where that's going. I think it's interesting that Jeff brought up Calypso because it had been something that I had just completely forgot about, that there was a thing. And maybe that, that has uh, a place in you know, the, the the next version of WordPress as well. And maybe that's part of the plan. You know, maybe it's something that they were experimenting with for dot-com use. Not really sure. You know, that would be a nice thing to address. And, um, you know, a good thing that, that Jeff brought up as well is how is the foundation contributing to other programs such as, you know, Hack the Hood, Black Girls Code, uh, the Internet Archive, which are all very worthy programs. Uh, because I, I think if you're powering 25% or 28, 29% of the web, I think it's important to uh, help nurture the next generation of technologists and programmers. And, I, you know, I think that's part of the responsibility that a large organization has uh, is to kind of give back and, and uh you know, build that future. So, 
Great. Thank you. I was the same. I, I completely forgot about Calypso. I figured the Gutenberg piece would be in there because we have talked about it so much ourselves as, as the rest of the community. But I think the thing that interested me the most was the foundation information to see where they're going with that. I thought that was really good stuff. And we will see what it actually turns out to. I have a feeling having been at the first WordCamp US and getting to see the people, you know, lining up to ask questions. I have a feeling a lot of those questions are going to surround Gutenberg just because of, you know, the buzz within the community. And I think, and I'm traveling tomorrow. I may actually be on a plane and miss it. So we shall see. I'm not sure what time I'm, uh, <clears throat> what, what my schedule fully is. So we've exhausted our stories. Let's take a quick break and we'll come back to talking about tips for making our WordPress sites more uh, responsive for mobile. Do you want to spend more time making money online? Then use WP Tonic as your trusted WordPress developer partner. They will keep your WordPress website secure and up to date so you can concentrate on the things that make you money. Examples of WP Tonic's client services are landing pages, page layouts, widgets, updates, and modifications. WP Tonic is well known and trusted in the WordPress community. They stand behind their work with full, no question asked, 30 day money back guarantee. So don't delay. Sign up with WP Tonic today. That's wp-tonic.com, just like the podcast. Welcome back, everybody. We have exhausted our uh, news stories for the week, and we're going to start talking about making our sites mobile friendly. Before we do that, just want to remind you that our uh, sponsor today is Intelligence WP. They make sense out of your analytics. I recommend everyone go to intelligencewp.com and check them out. We'll also have that in the show notes if you want to grab the link. Now let's get to our big talk on making our sites more responsive. And I think one of the first things we can just throw out there uh, before I jump into other questions is it kind of comes back to that story we had on the background video. It's not the most friendly thing for your mobile site to have those. And John, you've already pointed out that some sites, like for example, on uh, certain phones and Sally, you mentioned on the iPad, they're just not gonna show it or loop it or all these ideas that you have that look beautiful on your great big screen connected to, you know, direct into your uh, router, not even over Wi-Fi, they're just not going to work that way. But let's start with some other tips then, John? Top tips? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think one thing that really gets forgotten about is making your site legible on a phone. I think, um, you know, typography and just can I read this on a, a small screen is, is something that uh, is often ignored. Uh, I, I think there's a lot of cases, you know, uh, where... On the, on the phone, I tend to try and make font sizes at least 16 pixels. I think even 18, 20 uh, pixels is, is fine. And, you know, a, another thing to look out for, and this even goes back to um, advertising, like David Ogilvy talked about this, like a contrast of the text on the background. I think there's like a trend uh, in web design to make 
pale gray text on a white background and it's terrible for contrast. I'm not sure why this even became a thing, uh, but you know, customers can't read it. Uh, it's, it's not very good. And that's definitely one tip. Um, another thing I would say is making a tap targets, uh, giving them enough space and making them uh, big enough to, to tap. I, I know on some phones uh, it, it's a little tough. If you got the fat fingers, um, you know, you could be aimed for something and it's still approaching it from a desktop first mentality but I think we need to be thinking about the mobile design at this, you know, either mobile first or at the same time thinking about how is this desktop um, design going to, you know, translate into mobile uh, where a mouse is not available and all you have is your finger. Nice. And so tap targets just to, for newbies we have. So tap targets are actually like buttons where you're going to push on them as opposed to click with a mouse. And that is one I have had just recently horrible things with trying to find something and get there and not be able to um, get it to work at all on my phone. So that's really good, really good point as well as the contrast. And contrast isn't just for mobile, it's for all accessibility. We need to have more of that. And uh, <clears throat> I agree. In fact, I just, I just put in a theme that I have to go change all the CSS because it's like gray text on white. And uh, I'm getting slammed for it. How about you, Sally? Top tips. Um, <clears throat> John <clears throat> covered some really good uh, points there, and uh, you know, text size and and you know, contrast, and uh, you know, that does matter both on on desktop and on mobile. Um, making sure that you. Uh, take advantage of WordPress's responsive images so that you're not sending a large image down to a small device over a slow connection. And, you know, people do often have uh, slow connections and they can't load these really heavy web pages very easily. So uh, anything you can do to, uh, uh, to lighten up the weight is, is good to make sure everything is compressed because you know if your if your site seems a little sluggish on the on the desktop just imagine how slow it's going to be over a, a 3g connection mm. um, uh, <clears throat> and there was something else i <clears throat> i had in mind but uh it has escaped me temporarily um but also that you want to uh, think about how you're structuring your navigation uh, and uh, that you know, if if you have, you know, th three levels deep of of uh, uh, accordion menus, that that's probably not going to translate really well on, onto mobile. And and you you know, you want to sort of rethink this and say, okay, how can I actually do this in a in a you know in a small list? What is it really important that people get to from the homepage, and how can I then direct them uh, someplace else? I've I just writing a little code to add some uh, uh, to to add a collapsible grid of uh, you know child pages at the bottom of of uh, parent pages um, and 
there, so you have to, you know, you have to think about those kinds of, of things. And of course, uh, you know, Google has warned us uh, for the entire year now, if not longer, about uh, pop-up ads that are, you know, difficult, if not impossible to close on mobile. Uh, they're a, <clears throat> a, a pain in the butt on desktop, but they, they may make it uh, actually impossible to proceed on your, on your phone, which is why the you know, phones are now shipping with ad blockers built in. And, it, you know, if you can't make your uh, ads, uh, you know, less than annoying, uh, <clears throat> people are going to refuse to look at them at, at all. And I don't have an ad blocker uh, installed, but basically, if I go to your site and I can't navigate it because of the ads, I won't go back. Very good point. I actually do have an ad blocker, and something I was researching um, for a uh, fact that I have forgotten command line Unix because I haven't used it in so long and had to use it. I had to SSH into something this week, and every time I looked, it was this same company that kept coming up first. And every time I click it, say, I'm sorry, we, we won't let you in because it appears you have an ad blocker. I was like, I'm on the desktop, but I don't care. Cancel you. Go find somebody else because I do keep my ad blockers on. Very great tips from both of you. What about, so, so these are some overall ones. Let's talk about the importance of AMP, the accelerated mobile pages that Google's really been pushing. How are you working with that with your clients, and how has that changed some of your development strategy? Uh, hardly at all. I mean, I, when when it first came out, I installed it in a, in a couple of places, and you know, I've followed the news on it a little bit, and almost everybody seems to include that AMP is bad for your website, uh, and that you know, although it does. Uh, produce a version of, of your page with, you know, that's lightweight and, and fast and with design stripped out, which is all good in, in theory. Um, it seems mainly to be of benefit to Google and, and not to you as a site owner. And the people who would mostly be interested in using it is if you are actually a news outlet of some kind. Uh, so if you publish an online magazine or, or, or a newspaper, this may be a good thing for you. If, if you are an ordinary person um, out there with a, with a website, uh, there's a good chance your AMP pages will hardly be noticed or picked up anywhere anyway. Uh, but there have been, been a lot of issues with them in, in terms of it, it does not prove to be particularly good for your SEO as promised. Uh, I think um, with with the AMP, the the types of sites that benefit from it at least right now are more news or media sites. Those sites seem to get a little bit of boost. Um, as for regular sites, I'm not so sold on them. You know, having an SEO benefit from AMP. Uh, I do think that. You know, there will be a point where where AMP is is different from what it is now and has a little bit more robustness to it. And I think at that point, you're going to see more sites uh, use AMP and integrate it. Uh, and that's definitely something you can do. Uh, there's a AMP plugin 
I think it's made by a automatic, I believe. Mm-hmm. And then there's a, a amp glue, uh, like a plugin that basically like glues together like WordPress and AMP. Mm-hmm. Makes it a lot easier to integrate. I would say if, if you're publishing mostly like a blog, I, I would say that AMP is something that I would strongly consider. I would say that if you have something like an e-commerce site, that I would, uh, you know, maybe hold off on that for now. Okay. Interesting. One of the things I'd like to ask you about, John, because you do work with a lot of local businesses. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I had read, and it came out of Google, but I, I haven't followed it since, was that they were saying, because a lot of people were searching for local businesses on their phones, you know, like you're out and about looking for a restaurant near you or something, that the AMP pages would be given preference in a mobile search. Have you actually seen that come to pass or uh, worked with that at all? Like I said, I've seen it. um, I've seen a little bit of of evidence for like regular business sites that Mm -hmm. maybe like it has a little bit to do with it. Um, I do know that for local news stories and stuff like that, it's gonna there'll be like a little section you know kind of like how you have that strip of images there'll be a strip of like amp stories near the top um i haven't necessarily seen that on every like business search because depending on how you search what you search for it's going to throw different things up there it could be a knowledge panel it could be you know shopping uh stuff at the top and on the side uh, I, I've seen the AMP triggered um, a lot when it's more like people just searching for, for news, not so much for business. I think there's probably a little bit of boost, but um, I wouldn't say it's like a substantial you know, boost for, for business. Excellent. Thank you. Because one of the things I try to keep in mind when I'm working with people and teaching, since I don't actually build sites anymore, is that sometimes strategies for local businesses and more generic blogs or e-commerce sites can be highly different. So you want to make sure, right, that you're talking to people who work in that local space if you are that local barbershop or restaurant or or anything like that out there. Oh, yeah, most definitely, yeah. uh, Any other uh, big things that come to mind as far as do's or don'ts, maybe a couple of top don'ts that we want to do when we are building something that we want to have be friendly for our mobile devices. Um, I would say, you know, one tip that I would, I would give is, is go in your Google search console and under search traffic, there'll be um, a link for mobile usability. If you, you know, scan that, you're going to see uh Google usually tell you, you know, things like your content is too wide for this screen or your tap, you know, your tap targets are too close, uh, you know, different things like that. Usually the, the content's too wide for the screen is the one that I get. Um, one way to deal with that is to have uh, overflow X hidden in your CSS. Uh, that's, that's one way to deal with that. Um, and I would say the, the, the biggest issue when it comes to mobile is just speed. You know, um, anything that you can do to make your mobile site faster, 
uh, is a good idea. Um, if you have background images, serve a smaller image on mobile first, and then when it goes to desktop, maybe like a bigger image. And as Sally mentioned, definitely do take advantage of responsive images. It's already built into WordPress. Uh, so, you know, have that enabled, don't disable it, you know, so. Excellent, thank you. Sally, any last words on responsive or, or uh, being mobile friendly? You're muted. <laughs> I am muted. <laughs> that must have been the train going by. We've had responsive design long enough by now that, you know, if, if you're not building mobile-friendly sites, you, you, <coughs> you miss, really missed the boat. Uh, and, you know, almost any theme that you can start with is, is going to be at least minimally responsive. But, you know, test things like the menus and, and how they actually work because, you know, there are better and worse implementations of a lot of things. And... Sometimes it turns out, I mean, I'm, I'm not sure what it, what it was, but somebody, you know, I got an email from somebody, I'm on your site and the, I can't make the, you know, on my phone and I can't make the menu work. And I went and I'm like, well, that's funny because it worked before, but, you know, and, and uh, so I ended up, you know, taking out the menu that was in there and putting in a, a different mobile menu so that it would work. And so, you know, you need to make sure that it's not just that it theoretically works, but that it actually works when, uh, when someone tests it. And there, there are lots of tools out there that will assess things like your, your speed and your tap targets and your, you know, your overall mobile friendliness. So, you know, make use of them. And, and, you know, a lot of the challenges in dealing with, um, clients or with designers who come from a print background and, you know, having to explain <laughs> to them that, you know, okay, so how is this going to work on someone's phone? Uh, you know, this, this clever design idea of yours, how is this going to work on someone's phone? Uh, because uh, some things are not very uh, suitable or they have to be really, you know, that you, you can't just do this sort of, you know, compress and, and, and stack. That is the most common way of, of dealing things. You, you're going to have to do something quite different. And then that takes more effort and, and more build time and is going to cost them more money. And so, you know, how important is it to them to, to have that? And you will find sites that do some really spectacular uh, things that, you know, that also include uh, special layouts for really wide screens. Uh, but it is mainly, can people still read and get to the content? Do you have to think about uh, things like, well, you know, you're, if you're envisioning your desktop layout and that there's going to be something extremely useful in, in the sidebar that, that you're hoping people are going to, you know, pay attention to and include, well, that's going to be on the bottom. Un, un, unless you've set your sidebar to show up, you know, before the content, which you probably don't want the whole sidebar to do. And therefore, you know, where are you going to put things? Where are you going to hook things um, in your site? Do you want to actually include something within the content uh, at the at the end of the content? You know, and and if you are putting some kinds of of calls to action in, uh, you know, you probably don't want them in the sidebar. Or don't want them only in the sidebar. Uh, if if people are going to see them, if you have some kind of secondary. Uh, navigation of sub pages. You're probably going to want to put it, you know, at the top of the content 
uh, or somewhere within the content as opposed to in the sidebar uh, if you want it to still be useful on smaller devices. Excellent. Thank you. You guys have given us some really great tips. The sidebars are a big one. The uh, going and looking in the Google Search Console and just learning, great stuff. Uh, I would say I even have trouble not even just on the phone, but end users who are working on their sites, having them call me and they've spent hours and hours and hours trying to get the text here and this here and and even not just on a phone, but when I show them four different computer screens and how that's going to switch around because they're just doing it on their one display, we've got to get people out of that mindset of this is not print. When you lay out print, you lay out print. When you lay out a website, it should be something completely, completely different, not just from a mobile perspective. I think we've had a great show this week. We're going to wrap, and I'm sure next week we'll all have lots of stuff to talk about from people coming back from WordCamp US and, and everything that went on there that we are missing. Thanks for joining us. Before we wrap, I'm going to go back around and have uh, the roundtable tell us where we can find them. Let's go ahead and start with you again, Sally. Okay. You can find me at WPFangirl.com. I am at Sally Getch on Twitter, and the East Bay WordPress meetup is eastbaywp.com. Thank you. John? Excellent. You can find me at my website, which is lockdowndesign.com, uh, lockdown underscore on Twitter, and my Facebook page and LinkedIn are both Lockdown Design. So. Great. Thank you. Yeah, I'm kimshivler.com, Twitter at kimshivler. So tweet at me and I will tweet back. We will see you guys uh, next Wednesday for, where we will have a guest interview of another person involved in the WordPress community. And next Friday, where, as I said, we'll, I'm sure, have an active roundtable discussion on WordCamp US as well as news stories for that week. We'll see everybody next week. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to WP Tonic, the podcast that gives you a spoonful of WordPress medicine twice a week.